Welcome to the Top Advisor Marketing Podcast brought to you by Proudmouth. I'm your host, Matt Halloran. Being your own loud is not new to marketing, but the mindset, strategies, and resources to help you get there are evolving faster than this industry is keeping up. It is time to find a new perspective on what works why and how to move your business forward. Listen as I interview guests to help you learn from them how to be your own loud. Let's get to the show. Hello and welcome to another Top Advisor Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Halloran. Now, I love LinkedIn. You all know that. You hear me say this all the time at the beginning of these shows because I get to meet really freaking cool people. And today is no no different. And for a couple of reasons. Number one, because not only do I get to meet cool people, but my team meets cool people. And they're like, you need to know this cool people. And today I'm meeting one of those cool people. Now we've already had our pre-record call and we've had a couple of other conversations. And so Lauren, who is the founder of Out and About Communications, is a marketing and branding expert in our field. And I'm super excited because today we're going to talk about something we have never talked about on the show, which is what is a brand personality and why is it so vital for you in integrated marketing and to make sure that you have marketing consistency. Lauren, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here. All right. We have to start with an operational definition, sister. So what is a brand personality? How do you define it? Oh my goodness. It's a big question and it's actually a really magical tool. So let me give you a big picture of what it is. So a brand personality is usually a statement or it's a few words that are going to describe what the brand is. It's the energy, what you're trying to do, how you're trying to project yourself into the world. And so I'll get into more of how we use it, but essentially it's a few words that is, this is us. Seven example. Nine. Yeah. Give me an example of somebody that you have helped with or somebody in the marketplace that you're like, they're, they've got it spot on. Okay. So we have one, what we call it magnetic zest right? You're like, that's a fun word to say, right? So it's, okay, what does that mean? Let me just take a few steps back for like why brand personality is important. And then I can actually get into how it applies. If you're to do a brand book, right? Any business is likely going to have a brand, a brand book as you're growing, which is just your basics, right? It's your brand font colors, how you use the logo, how you don't. And then you get into the voice and tone. How do you sound as a brand? And this is really important as you grow, right? So that the brand doesn't unravel. Well, one of those other components you can add on that is actually, it's a front writer ahead of all of this is what we call, again, the brand personality. So we go through this exercise to say, whatever energy you would interact with the brand, if it's the website, if it's offline, if it's how employees are talking to each other, if it's how you're just presenting yourself in front of a client, you'd have kind of this leading statement and then you define what it looks like. Why this is important is because you could literally go, okay, it's like your brand definition, right? It's go, this is how we are and this is how we show up as a company. So what it does is it goes, oh, we are whatever statement it is and this is how we basically say, yeah, our website is totally that or our emails are totally that or our blog isn't that. And so it gives this overall personality to know if it's on or off. That's in a nutshell how it's put so, together. So it'd be, this is who we are. And importantly, I want to make sure that it's clear. There are also phrases or statements that this is what we are not. So that way you actually have a little bit more of a defined guideline. All right. All right. So I think we have a better understanding of that example. So help us undo, give us a brand personality. Yeah. Let me give it, think about it like this. Each person has their own personality, right? How they show up or if you look at if you're 
go to watch a movie, right? And you go, who's this actor? And what's their profile of their personality? It's going to be like, how do they talk? What do they wear? You know, this whole thing, right? And so it tell- allows you if you're like, again, on or off point with this brand personality. So I mentioned the magnetic zest one, right? So if you were to go, okay, what the heck is that? So it's this idea of, in this brand example, right, is that it's the idea of something being magnetic is everything we're doing and we're putting out there pulling people in, right, from the brand. Is it pulling people in? Are they interested from that idea of we're adding value into the world? And you think about it from a client-facing role. Are you pulling people in? Are you adding value? And then the zesty part of it, this is just a statement, is it does it have fun? Is it a personality? Is it something that adds this sort of energy to the conversation when you go, I like that, right? And then it goes in deeper about what that actually means. And so what it does as a team and as a company is we're able to take that personality just like you would a person and then apply it across the board. So that's an example of it, like an actual brand personality and how it could be used. When we rebranded from Top Advisor Marketing to Proudmouth, we have all of the stuff, of course, that you're talking about. My, my business partner, Kirk Lowe, is a branding genius. That's why I partnered with him. This guy is the bee's knees philosophically and practically. And we have a brand manifesto, and part of the brand manifesto really outlines this. There's actually an entire section in our brand manifesto that talks about the energy, right, the personality that we're trying to put out as a company. And the super fun thing is, So Jessica, who's on our team, who does an enormous amount of writing for us, that is her Bible. Like, she'll question, okay, Matt, you just sent me something. Is it? Bam. And Lord, it just gives us this opportunity to have this laser focus. And if you look at Proud Mouth's content, it's it's very consistent because that way I know what to expect. And more importantly, people know what to expect of us. That's right. It's another, you could, brand manifesto is another sort of concept of that or outport of that essentially. And it literally, it transcends across everything that you do. And so much so that it almost becomes wrapped into the values that you usually have. I don't know, it could be five values. Sometimes it's a dozen values that you obviously want to use that to help evoke company culture and all these types of things. But the brand personality also talks not just about company culture for how you live that value or not. But it's like, how do you write an email? Does it have a certain energy? Are you adding value? Are you not? Are you, what's the tone? Like it creates, even in the aesthetic, it just creates this whole consistent umbrella, basically. So that is, that's the, that exercise is so valuable. And if it's used in the right way, people own it. They're like, this is my thing. Am I living this or am I not as an umbrella? Everything, right? People, when they talk about brands, they're like, ah, it's a logo and a tagline and a website and a color palette. I wanted to talk to you about this today because it is that foundational basis of everything, all of your content, your website, any social media that you do, podcasting, video, client events, all of that stuff has to have this as the hub in the middle. So I'm going to put you on the spot here and you're a pro. I'm not too worried about this. How do you pull this out of people? Because I know that's what my audience is thinking right now. Matt, I'm not that person. I, I don't think like Lauren does. And they say they don't think like me too. So how do you, because you work with financial advisors, how do you pull that out of the advisors that you work with? Okay, so just like a financial advisor, you are listening to stuff that 
people are saying directly or indirectly, right? You're picking up on cues. You have a lot of these different conversations. There's stuff that people say that you go, you didn't go as deep into that, but it's the stuff that's not always said, right? So when we go through these exercises and not really our content director is the one who leads a lot of these conversations, is we are doing a lot of listening, but we're also pouring over materials to go, what are the tips of things that people are saying and what energy that we're trying to put out there? And sometimes the headline for the manifesto, if you will, or what we do and what we don't do, is sometimes just a subtle word or it's something that sort of comes out. So a lot of how the heck do you get there is honestly through big picture strategy conversations about where are we going? What was the, what is, how do we want to position ourselves in the market? What is the competition doing and how do we want to separate ourselves from the competition and just getting really clear on your target market, which is a lot of stuff. But once you get the big picture aligned, right, for like, where are we going? What is our North Star? Who are we talking to? What makes us different? It allows you to be able to better have clarity around how you want to show up. Do you want to show up from a personality perspective in a suit and tie every day? Are you showing up, you know, more casual? And that then carries across all of your content. It carries across the website look and feel. It carries across to the person that's sitting at the front desk, right? So that's where it comes from. It comes from the big picture. It comes from leadership and listening. Oh, man. So here, just, those are two two words that I absolutely love. And I'm. it is the key to everything, right? It's showing people the way and then shutting up and listening are just two magnificent ways that financial advisors, by the way, can actually learn more about their clients. You said something, though, that I need, want to highlight here. The brand personality is something that is inwardly focused. That is really how you're going to take what you have inside and give it out to the world. But another huge component of branding, which you just touched on, which I have to highlight, is you also have to know who you're talking to, right? So I'll give you an example. Early on in in my career, I was suit, cropped beard, gold glasses, watches, ties, cufflinks, all that stupid stuff. Now, I shouldn't say stupid stuff because I know a lot of people dig that. But I never felt comfortable, right? I was always feeling like I was somebody else. And then Kirk and I partnered this whole design here, everything that's here. This is all very much by design. But most importantly, it attracts who we're trying to attract. Would you mind talking a little bit about that? Yes, you hit it dead on, right? Is You want to, at the end of the day, you want to be authentically you as an individual, but you want the brand to be authentically itself. And you, and so as a result, if the brand is authentically itself, it's going to attract that right potential employee to hire, right? It's going to attract the right kind of target market, these kinds of things. And But without clarity around that, it can feel very disjointed. So you can have content that's going out that's a totally different sound of one advisor, for example, or your website not re- might not really match the right target market. It can feel all disjointed, right? And so ultimately, what you want to be able to do is again to have that umbrella so that then it feels almost like a unified personality without it being like, but the individ- each individual can still have their own personality, if that makes sense. So that you're truly living out those values, but you're also doing it in a way that is representative of the company for how you'd like it to be positioned as you're projecting yourself into the future. So I hope that kind of hit on some of what you're looking for. Yeah, I'd like to expand on that just a little bit more. I think of a good brand almost as like a family, right? In a... So my family has family values, right? It's something that my children know, it's my wife knows, but we all have different 
personalities, but we're all part of the same family and we're all hopefully rowing the boat in the same direction. And your financial services practice needs to have that sort of stuff too. And I think, Warren, I think that's why people get so fixated and concerned about a niche market or having a very firm brand because they think that it's too rigid. Can you talk a little bit more about that, please? If you build it, they will come. So the beauty about a niche market is it allows you to really zero in. And if you know your brand personality, then you can really speak to that specific target market and the language, the visuals, what you're creating, and so on and so forth. That doesn't mean that you can't like everybody has to get behind one particular target market, right? You could have kind of a general company target. You could have more like kind of solo targets within that, create campaigns around it. Totally good. But the point is that kind of going to loop it back to this, how does this integrate across the company is that you want to make sure that if you've got one global target market or you've got narrow target markets, that it still feels like it's part of the company as a whole. And that's where that brand personality can come in to say, okay, yeah, this is still part of the company and they're not just, okay, when I talk to this person, this is all they know about or this person, this is all they know about. So it creates that that overarching piece of it. But like you were saying with the family example is that, yeah, you want it to be very much how you, what's the right word, but how your rules the road, if you will. So it's, yeah, that's where it's going. Hey, it's Matt jumping in for just a second. Are you an advisor who wants to go from chasing leads to being the leading choice? Then Influence is your answer. Influence is how you create an audience of raving fans who are ready to buy and ready to tell other people about you without you having to ask. If you want to know how much influence you have right now and how to get more of it, take our free five-minute test to get your influence scorecard. Just go to proudmouth.com to start. Yeah, I love the rules of the road. What a great way to define that. We all need to have, and God, I've said this a million times on the show, the number one reason why marriages fail is because there aren't clear expectations. And you can just insert relationships, clients, prospects, team. If you're not setting clear expectations and having this brand personality and really making sure that you have all of this written down where everybody you get is rowing the boat in the same direction, it changes absolutely everything. Who we attract as Proudmouth is very different than who I attracted as a suit and tie button up stuffy business consultant guy. If you look at who our clients are, they're not the buttoned up, quaffed, perfect. That's just not. And again, we've just found that clients don't like that as much. Clients want you to be a real human being, right? And part of this whole exercise that you take your clients through is so foundational to, to build the great foundations. So let's say. We've built this. So an advisor goes, check. We check that box. What does that do for them? So it's something that even HR can use to say, are we let a reminder? This is where we're this is where we're going. It's something marketing can use to say, OK, is this on or off for our benchmark or what our personality is against all the collateral that comes out? If you're doing a website redesign, if you're writing copy, these kind of things. Sales can use it even for sales exercises and trainings to go, OK, Let's say you're doing like a role play, right? And your supervisor can use this as a tool to go, okay, let's make sure that maybe one of our values is like proactive communications or adding value, something like that. So the salesperson might just be chatting and chatting, but are they actually adding value and really listening? And you can use this to basically be able to circle back to say, this is the kind of energy that we're trying to put out so that it's part of a training pipeline. 
with operations, you can make sure that your cadences, your workflows, your onboarding, all of that does map back up to that bigger personality. So it just, it feels this energy is just projected company-wide across departments. And even if you're a solo advisor, you can even use it for yourself to go, okay, am I making sure that as I'm building out my practices or just presenting myself to the world in the way that I'd like to be able to show up every day? So that kind of exercise, while it's mostly used for bigger firms, it still could work as an individual to just go through that, to go, how do I want to show up and who am I trying to attract on a very high level? I'm glad that you brought that from, because again, my whole job is to think, what are our listeners thinking? And as we're describing this, I think that there's a lot of them saying, man, this is out of my league. First off, I can't afford it. And secondly, it's just me. We have a lot of solo advisors who listen to this show. We know, Lauren, I know it's just you, but that doesn't mean that you can't really define you. When is the last time? And I want all of you listening to this. Think about that. When is the last time that you literally went through an exercise to define yourself? Yeah. And how you show up and where you spend your time and this kind of exercise, then it's literally a one page. It's like, this is a statement. And then you've got maybe a few other like headline words, maybe two or three headline words that go, okay, so basically defining it. Like what is it, what it is and what it isn't. And that's all that it is. It's literally a one page sheet, but that is not easy to get to. But it helps you to go through the exercise to then go, okay, this, when I show up, this is how I'm showing up. And when you're getting any business started, it's easy to just, it's a roller coaster, right? So it gives you that point back to then go, okay, this is how I'm going to show up. I'm going to look to present myself across everything that I do. If it's at an event, if it's on a client call, a prospect call, and it helps as you're growing to have that consistency. And then as you're onboarding that level set, if you will. So the direction of the show is now moving into this idea that now that you have built this foundational premise, you can build whatever marketing you want on top of that. What are you seeing as working best for advisors now? Just for different types of marketing kind of avenues. Oh my goodness. I have to give a shout out to podcasts because that totally is one. So <laughs> a little nod Thank you there. for that. I did um, not pay here for that. I want everybody to yes, know that, but I appreciate so that. Thanks. That's a big one. I think it depends on the size of the firm that you are. Honestly, I think that the truth is if you're a solo advisor, there's just nothing better than just one, knowing your target market and showing up where your target market is and just hitting the ground, like you know, shaking hands, showing up and just doing a really good job. And word of mouth, I think at any size of company is a key component to growth. So I don't think you can take away from that. And I also think as a nod to just if we're looking at the smaller advisor advisory firms, right, is that it's marketing can be so shiny object that if something's working for you, just push out all the noise and just really focus on what's working. So I would say just focus on what's working and just make sure you're going in there and you're providing that consistency for what you're doing. That's where that brand personality can come in. Now, as you start to grow the practice, right, if you're under a billion, but you're approaching a billion and you probably have a dozen to 15 plus advisors on the firm, it gets more diff- it gets becomes more difficult. You've got advisors that are comfy cozy. They've got a great base. You want my, as a leader, you might want to encourage, right, more business development activity, or you might have other advisors that are just really like crushing it and bringing in new deals. So that's where marketing can really come in. We look at SEO as, a, as an initiative. We see that work quite well, although it's a long-term play, or frankly, just really targeted niche campaigns. Because as you do that over time, then you can 
really plant seeds and then it grows with you. But I will say as you're growing to that billion dollar point is that if you're just trying to spread the love across everything, we want to go after everybody. It's just not the best use of resources. And then when you get to the bigger firms, right, your billions plus, then it becomes a, just a multifaceted strategy for ways that you're bringing in new types of deals and such. That's a bit more complicated. But I think along the way, at the end of the day, you want to have a target. You want to know what your personality is that you're bringing home or that you're putting out there, I should say. And then you just you put your efforts behind that audience. I'm very grateful that you talked about that, that it does take time. I think advisors, it, as an entrepreneur, both of us, we're fiercely impatient, right? We want everything to have happened three weeks ago. And I always say to my team, nothing ever happens on my timeline. It always seems to happen on this ethereal timeline that I have no control over. Great marketing really does take a lot of time, whether you're a solo advisor or you're a multi-billion dollar firm. Now, this might sound like, a, I don't know if I really plan on asking you this question, but where do you guys fit? Do you only work with the really big firms or do you work with smaller advisors? What is out and about sweet spot? Yeah. So we usually work with firms that are approaching a billion. So they're usually, they've usually got at least a dozen to 15 or so advisors for employee count, if you will. And then we do work with firms that are multi-billion in assets under management. And we don't exclusively work in the advisor community, but it does make up a lot of who we do service. So we're very familiar with what goes on there. So the kinds of conversations that we are having are not necessarily on, I'll say, company getting off the ground. Initially, usually there's been, we're in maybe phase two or three of the business evolution. And then we're going, okay, now let's really dial it in and then take it to the next level. And that's really where we come in. So that's in a nutshell. Yes. So a lot of our advisors have strategic partners, right? They have centers of influence. So what other verticals do you work in? Yeah, all financial services. We would define that as, so we've got like payroll, banking, obviously like wealth management, advisors, lending. So it's on the financial services world. And there's a lot of cross referrals and those sorts of things that go on there. So it's actually really fun because we hear about stuff like the payroll world and they're talking about their connections with wealth management firms. Then we're talking with wealth management firms and they're talking about how there's always the quarterback analogy, how they've got these partners that with banks and other places. So it's actually really fun because you get to see all these connections come together and then you're getting to see how all these different pieces within the financial services world are growing. And so we're seeing businesses at all different growth stages across the financial services landscape. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay, cool, cool. That makes a lot more sense because I want to make sure that our listeners are like, you know what? I'm not at that point where I would really be the best for out and about, but I know somebody in financial services in those and so that they can go ahead and refer business to you. So my favorite question that I don't always get to ask, but I'm really happy to ask you is what question should I have asked you that I didn't? Oh my goodness. Maybe when would you put together a plan like this? The, Bring it on, sister. Yeah. All right. Floor is yours. The, if you are at a juncture in your business where you're thinking about next steps, you go, okay, I've been going here. I've started to hire new people. Maybe there's some change. You can feel scale happening, right? You're at a place, maybe you're bringing in a new senior executive, right? Like a new, I don't know, operations hire or a new VP of whatever, some sort of C-suite executive, right? Someone that's going to shake it up. This is a good opportunity to be able to go, where are we going in the next year? Where are we in the next three to five years? Having those business conversations and usually as an outpour of that will spin out a number of major project priorities, strategic initiatives. And typically this is where that kind of conversation will happen of going, where's the brand going? How are we trying to position our firm? And this is usually a piece that would fall out of that. If you're at a place where you're going, where at a strategic juncture, usually that's where it's going to 
come up. Yeah. One already in place. And again, I just, again, I, there's two things there that I wrote. One thing very specifically that I want to make sure that the audience here, you said three to five years, right? So everybody, you have to understand that you stop running your business like a practice, start building a business, right? Even if you're a solopreneur, that's fine. Do you want to potentially sell it someday? If you do, you got to have a kick-ass brand, right? You've got to have all of this stuff dialed in or your multiples aren't going to be as good. Or if you're a mid size firm or a large size firm, it's three to five years. It's You have to get out of this hand-to-mouth idea and stop using your business as your own personal piggy bank. You need to really plan like an actual business owner. So on that point, we use EOS oftentimes. Yeah, okay. Our yeah. entrepreneurial operating yes. system. Yes, and yep. a lot of our clients will use it. It's a great, they've got a ton of books. A good starter one is, it's called What the Heck is EOS? We use it as well. And some of the initial conversations and questions in there is you're basically, you're doing your it was like a vision board or I can't remember the specific title. I know it's trademarked and such, but you basically are looking, so I don't want to butcher it. So you could reference EOS, but you've got, you're asking questions. What are the next three to five years at a minimum? And oftentimes, honestly, it will even scratch scroll outside of that framework. And what's the next 10 years look like? We just need a statement. Like, what are we trying to, where are we going? And it's, frankly, a lot of folks can't answer that and that's okay. But if you can at least answer the next three to five years what are your revenue objectives? Where are you trying to go from a strategic perspective? And then you can get out of the one-year perspective, like the one-year point. And then from the one year, you've got your main strategic priorities, and then you can break it down by quarterly, basically major project priorities. So those kind of things help you to be able to shape it out to be more bigger picture. So yeah, anyway. Yeah, what you can do in one week is very different than what you can do in one year or three years or five years. Now, and I've said this over and over again on, on the show, Kirk and I, when we set forth, we had a 10-year plan, right? So we're like, okay, and we're like six years into a 10-year plan, right? Now, have there been some course corrections? Yeah, but the ultimate goal, that North Star vision that we had for Proudmouth, we are still laser, laser focused on that. And I think I want to say that to everybody. Listen, if you don't have that North Star, if you don't have that sort of stuff, please make sure, one, you need to follow Lauren on LinkedIn because she's always putting out really great content. The Out and About Communications website is fantastic. There's some really great resources there. And if you are within that sweet spot that Lauren was talking about, if you're really looking at that next hire, you're a larger firm that's really looking at where you're going to go and what you want to be when you grow up as a firm, please make sure that you reach out. So Lauren, what is the best way for them to reach out to you? Honestly, our website's great or it's just hello at outandaboutcom.com. So it's all on our website though, but it's outandaboutcommunications.com and I reach out or LinkedIn or smoke signals, whatever works. We're here. We want to be a resource, right? And I sometimes I just love having calls. It doesn't matter the size of the firm, just to be able to support with wherever you're at and we have the fortune, much like you all do, of being able to look under the hood of a lot of companies and see what's going on, both from a data side and then also from an advisory side. And we get into a lot of the business operations stuff, too. And so that's why sort of this idea of brand personality is so important, because it shapes that planning. It shapes the messaging. But yes. That's the that's a long answer to say, check out the website. Ah, fantastic. Lord, I really want to thank you for your time. Thank you for being so open and honest with your thought leadership. And that's one of the reasons why we wanted to have you on the show is because you are very giving. And we have always found that's that sort of thing. You put out a lot into the world and, and that actually ends up helping you in your business, but it also helps our community. So I really want to thank you for that. 
Oh, of course. Thank you as well. I appreciate all that you do and you add to this world as well. And I'm going to drop something that I don't normally drop on this, but if you join the Pod Rocket Academy and try our free trial, we have a brand basics worksheet that is going to ask some of the questions that Lauren was just talking about. If you are a solo advisor, if you're struggling with this brand personality and you're having some issues, please go to podrocketacademy.com and go to our brand basics worksheet. Plus, we have a couple of quick, easy branding courses. It is free. You get full access for 30 days to our Pod Rocket Academy and we'd love to have you because we too want to help you. Full access for 30 days for free and maybe one of these days I can convince Lauren to give us some content for it but that's just planting a little seed for growing later. All right, everybody. So for Lauren and everybody at Out of Mouth Communications and all of us here at Proudmouth, this is Matt Halloran. We'll see you at the other side of the mic very soon. Thanks for listening to the Top Advisor Marketing Podcast brought to you by Proudmouth. If you want to know more about how you can be your own loud, visit us at proudmouth.com and sign up for the Pod Rocket Academy. Through courses and office hours led by professional podcast producers and digital marketers, you will learn everything you need to know to become the trusted subject matter expert you were meant to be.